0: It's just what we know so far. So if you read any of it and you disagree with it, that's totally cool. It could very well be wrong. Um, but it's, it's been an awesome tool that I've been using for a while. Brian Orme and I have put this together, and we keep editing it. I edited it for, the I think, the fifth time, night before last, and sent it to him. So flip over to the third page about a little less than halfway down, it says 10 behavior patterns of the orphan spirit. Does anybody still need one? Just raise your hand if you don't have one. Awesome. Okay. If you notice, I three-hole punched it. I actually took the time to three-hole punch about 500 sheets today. And that is because I'm hoping that some of you are taking this home and putting it in a notebook. Because if you'll do that, you'll be able to turn around, not only study it for yourself, but turn around and use it. Some of us who kind of help who pray about where we're going with our services, if you think about it, in September, we t- uh, Camille preached so powerfully on emotions. I preached the next week on shattering strongholds, which is what emotions are built in. Then Eric talked about discerning spirits. And unshakable faith, is your faith unshakable? Because if you can learn to discern spirits and if you'll shatter strongholds, your emotions won't rule you. So your faith will become unshakable. Unshakable faith is only built on brokenness. It's exactly the opposite of how the world makes us think that you build a real life. Tonight we're talking about orphans who are adopted Eugene Clark is going to speak in a couple of weeks on being comfortable in your own skin. And then Eric's going to talk in December about fatherhood. So if you look, I just want to encourage you, if you miss one of the services, go to the website, pick up the podcast, because we're being very intentional in what we're doing. We're, We're actually building some strong folks from the inside out. Um, we're, we already talked about what we're going to talk about in January and February, and I'm really excited about some of the things that we're going to, tools we're going to give you to make your life more powerful. Look at 10 behavior patterns of the orphan spirit. I'm not going to go into this in any detail. I'm just going to go through the behavior patterns. You can look at the rest of this information, the root causes of the orphan spirit, and it kind of explains where um, how the orphan spirit develops. Um, I'll, I'll read you a little bit from the front page. The orphan spirit, Satan is the ultimate orphan. He chose an eternity of self imposed isolation and abandonment when he could have lived in the presence of the Father. And I would just encourage you to think about the fact that many of us as believers live as orphans most of our Christian walk. We're powerless. We have horrible self esteem. We don't know who we are. We have no idea how to find our way in the world, and our lives are very casual and we live very indifferently. But we don't have to do that. Um, The words, the son became an orphan on the cross so that every spiritual orphan could become a son or daughter. The orphan spirit is one that's embedded with fear and uses control and manipulation to attempt to feel safe and secure. Whoops. When boss, I wish I knew what that meant. I'm sure it was, I was typing in tongues and just didn't get the rest of the interpretation. An orphan spirit stronghold is established through fear and uses control and manipulation to get needs met. Your earthly father meets the basic needs of identity, protection, and provision. Your earthly mother meets the basic human needs of nurturing, comforting, and teaching. And siblings meet the basic needs of companionship. And it goes on to kind of describe the orphan condition, what causes it, which is loss of a parent's love, and how that brings in separation, brings shame, Flip it over and it talks about 10 behavior patterns of the orphan spirit. The reason I'm talking about this is to kind of give us an opportunity to actually connect with what's an orphan spirit and could it be possible that I would have a couple of behaviors that would match that? Because then I'll give you some uh, awesome clues on how to beat that down. One is mistrust. This is a lack of trust in other people deriving from a deep sense of suspicion concerning the reliability of their love. You may have a hard time trusting people when it was eroded from your father relationship. If we didn't have a father that was a source of constancy and stability, we may believe that no one is trustworthy. Mistrust breeds mistrust. So not only do we not trust others, we become untrustworthy ourselves. hiding. This is when we function in an orphan spirit where we try to conceal our true selves, either physically or emotionally. Um, And one of the ways that we can also hide is verbal. Have you ever been around somebody who just never shuts up? It's like, oh my gosh, could we have just a moment of white space? You know, you're used to doing deliverance and you pray, oh God, I just Pray that the deaf and dumb spirit would come off this person. and You're like, oh God, may the deaf and dumb spirit fall on them. You know, it's just, it's the reverse deliverance. It's easy to hide sometimes in words. Superficiality. You know, I would just ask you, are most of your conversations an inch deep? When was the last time that you told someone anything that had any true meaning about something that you valued or something that hurt you have you talked to anyone this week about something that hurt you or that didn't make your day uh attachments this refers to addictions which come from the latin verb addict whatever that is meaning to hand over or surrender we're drawn to addictions with an orphan spirit because it alters our mood and masks our pain orphans don't know how to cry They don't know how to tell somebody I'm sad. They don't even know when they're sad most of the time. They also don't know how to truly belly laugh because everything's got to be masked. Um, There's five different types of addictions, not additions. Substance, behavior, technology, people, and ideology. The loss of healthy attachment to a father leads to unhealthy attachments to father substitutes. You'll see this a lot of times with uh, women. When they date, they'll date someone who's like their father because that's the only picture that they, if they had an unhealthy father relationship or an absent father, a lot of times they'll have no boundaries. And you'll see this in guys a lot too. They'll just bounce from woman to woman to woman because they never really bonded with their father so they don't know who they are. It's really hard to bond with someone of the opposite sex when you don't know who you are. Manipulation. This can be defined as the attempt to gain control over others through the use of underhanded means. Um, A lot of times we seek to dominate and control others into doing what we want. I'm gonna skip down a little bit. The negative tactics are deception, Spin, do you know what I mean by spin? You'll talk to someone and you know, you, you know that you need to work something through and you walk into the conversation, you start talking, and before you know it, you're like 180 degrees. They can always spin everything to where it's, it's about me. It's never about them. Uh, shaming. Shaming. Exploitation, intimidation, evasion, blackmail, yelling, lying, denial, sulking, silent treatment, etc. Let me just ask you how much do you use silent treatment? Positive tactics are praise, charm, sympathy, gifts, approval, seduction, attention. All manip- manipulators target certain buttons, which are a need for approval, acceptance, love, protection, belonging, resources. Anger, when we've been robbed of a father's love, we can sometimes feel a sadness over what we've missed. Selectivity, selective memory, which blocks out painful memories. Fantasy, and this doesn't always, a lot of times when you say the word fantasy, that people always think you're talking about sexual fantasy. No, it's a lot of times people have this fantasy world that they live in. They think they're a great employee. Do you know any people like that at work? They're like, you can tell they think they do such a great job, and you're like, you are so not that, you know. Misinterpretation. To misinterpret someone is to interpret or explain what they've said in the wrong way. It involves a deep expectation of disappointment. So what others say is interpreted as as negative. Because sometimes with people, when they've had a certain type of uh, father, like a lot of times, if someone's had an absent father or a very always real, real, real direct, bam, 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 like that, I find that I can walk into the room and almost immediately there's a response and I don't even know that person why cuz i'm kind of direct and so the minute i'm i am direct so the minute i say something like that then all the crescendos all the things they didn't like all the wound it just <sighs> comes in behind anything i would say and so i'm interpreted in that way independence and this is one that this is how you can really tell an orphan if someone is always independent they always, they don't, they don't even know how to tell someone, I need you right now, or I wish that you would stick with me, or, you know, I'm going through a hard time. But they always seem to be like an island unto themselves that's a total orphan. Because God meant for us to have relationship. So I want to talk a little bit. The reason I went through that is to kind of give you an idea of where you might be with all that. Um, Camille was hilarious I sent this to her and Eric just to look at a couple of weeks ago and she sent me a text back and it said something like wow I thought I was in such good shape but I'm saving my money for counseling again (laughs) doesn't that sound like Camille (laughs) she's awesome I love the parable of the lost son because I've come to see that so differently in the last year I don't call him the prodigal son anymore Luke fifteen twenty through 24 says, So he got up and went to his father. And this is the heart of the father. While he was while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The father said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And I just love that story because that's really how God looks at us. If you notice, and I love that Eric brought that out, and I had never seen that before when he preached on Can You Lose Your Salvation. The father never even answered the son. When he said, I've sinned against you, I'm no longer to be worthy, worthy to be called your son, he never even answered that because it was a settled thing. And one of the things that I want to propose to you tonight is that if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, I don't care what your behavior is, God doesn't judge you by your behavior. And that's what we have to come to. It feels like hypocrisy. It feels like if we're really honest, that you just admit this is who you are. And the reason this strikes me so deeply, I just want to encourage you tonight. If you're sitting here silently and you know that there's an area of your life, whether it's gossip or spending or cutting or any type of sexual addiction, alcohol, drugs, no matter what it is, God has freedom for you. And not only does he have freedom, but when you get that freedom, we know in this place, I am confident that no matter what the enemy has brought against you, there is freedom for you if you want it bad enough. Is there not? We know that. Some of us know that so well. We are so confident. I promise you, if you'll just keep coming back, I don't care what is put, pushing you up against the wall and telling you that you're not a believer, you're not a true son, it's a lie. And we can help you rip the face off that lie. Whatever area that the, the enemy has built a stronghold, when you become free, you have an immense amount of authority in that area. So whatever the devil is telling you today that you're never gonna win over and you're always gonna be stuck in, I'm here to tell you if you want it bad enough, because freedom is not, it's not cheap, and it is, you're not going to get it carelessly, but if you want it bad enough, God will give you not only the freedom, but when you get your freedom, you'll have authority in that area, and you'll lead a whole army behind you, because that's what we're into here. We're not casual. I'm not trying to make you feel like you know, God's a careless God, and I don't want to offend you if I say something. That's not the goal here. The goal here is to defend the enemy. So I love telling this story. Um, I, I've told this story before, a, cu- a couple of months ago. I used to have a powerful sex addiction that, that the enemy, even as a believer, just held me in bondage. And um, when God began to set me free, he told me that I had to tell Chad Everett, who's the guy who pastors me, everything. I was like, everything? He was like, Everything. I'm like, okay. So we would get together every week, and I would uh, tell him. He'd go, what would you do this weekend? Mm. And that was, I was a lot more ghetto then. So <clears throat> how I expressed things was not exactly King James or the new King James. Uh, but I just said, you know, I had a lot of sex. And, he, and I'm a believer, right? But I'm totally caught in the lie that this is the only way to meet my needs. And slowly, Chad began to help me see that it didn't have to be that way. That I could, be, I could tell him what I was hurting about, and he'd listen and care. And that my value and how he looked at me wasn't changed by what I was doing. And I'm telling you tonight, I don't really care. I've heard some heinous stories, um, and I just don't look at people And think that their behavior identifies them. It doesn't. God's God's blood sets your value. And when you put that blood over your sins, you're his son or his daughter. The challenge is for us to step fully into that. And time after time, I would tell Chad all this stuff. And he would go, you know, that's not who you are, right? And at first, it would really, really, really tick me off. Because hope... Was frightening to me. Because I had lived a long time trying to serve the Lord. And it was so frightening to have hope. Does that make sense to anyone? It was very, very frightening. And I would submit to you tonight some of us, in the way back in the corners of our hearts, there are things that we hope God can help us be free from. But that hope gets dim. I'm telling you, I don't care what the enemy has built in your life, what stronghold you have. God can shatter that. Freedom can set you free. John 14:15 says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I would read that and go, okay. So I don't love you because I can't keep your commands. There were years that I couldn't go for a month, two weeks without having sex. And then I started understanding the rest of it. I said, I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate to help you. And he'll be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. That's the Holy Spirit, and that's what we don't, we don't get. He says in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. Somebody's going to have to give me a Kleenex because I've been crying on the inside, which makes my nose run. He said, before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. And that's how Jesus, because Jesus represents God. That's how the Father... He was planning all along. Even when he sent Jesus to show us what God looked like, this was his plan. He says the world can't accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you're going to know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Thanks, babe. There's no graceful way to do this. We're actually being watched around the world. It's amazing. I, I wanted to have the numbers because Eric got them this, w- this week. We're watched in like 70 countries. So I just blew my nose in lots of languages. <laughs> it says, verse 19, before long, the world will not see me anymore. See, Jesus was planning. We, we read the Bible, but we don't read it. Jesus was sitting with the disciples. And he's telling them his plan to make sure they understand, I'm still going to be with you. Even when you can't see me, I'm going to be in you. Can you imagine? You're sitting there. It would be like RJ. RJ is discipling me, and he's sitting there telling me, you're not going to see me. I'm going to die, and then I'm going to rise again, and then I'm going to be in you. you're like, (laughs) wow, Okay. (laughs) says whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me the one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them then Judas said not Judas Iscariot Lord why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world they still wanted him to be the king they didn't get it Jesus is talking about the inside they were focused on the outside Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. And that always made me go, okay, awesome. I can't obey your teaching. So let's just be honest up front. I don't love you. My father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. The words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I've spoken while still with you. And then then this is the part that began to take root in my heart. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. What we miss and what we have to come to understand is The Holy Spirit wants to talk to you about how much God loves you. And he's constantly trying to use people. But we want to run from that kind of interaction, because that means I have to tell you who I am. I have to tell you that I have a sex addiction. I have to tell you that when I got on top of my sex addiction, I realized now I want to numb myself with food. Or I cut myself. I just don't cut myself where you can see me. I gossip. I compare. I cannot look. If if I'm a woman, I can't look at another woman and think, wow, what a pretty woman. I'm always cutting her down because I'm so insecure. You know what I'm talking about? And the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he wants to teach you all these things. We have to train our souls, our mind, will, and emotions. Because when the Bible says that we're perfect in God's sight, that I'm a new creation, that's in the spirit realm. So in the spirit realm, you're perfect. But what's confusing to us is the evidence. So the spirit realm is truth. But the evidence doesn't match the truth. And we're so evidence-driven, if I can't see it, I don't believe it, that it feels fake to us. Only as you learn to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And guys, the Holy Spirit is always talking. You know, in our prayer team, the way I determined who we're going to use in our prayer team, I just walked up to people one night, and I go, Do you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit when you pray? And you'd be surprised. It, it really caused some growth among some of our leadership. Because some of them were like, uh, I can't say that I do. And then if they said yes, I was like, "Well, when you pray for other people, do you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? And they were like, mm, maybe. But as I've gotten to know some of them, like one of the guys that said, no, I don't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, was at a party recently and with a couple of other guys who knew that that's what he had said. And he kept revealing all these things that God had been telling him. So they just started poking him after a while. They're like, oh, that's from the guy who doesn't hear from the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. Wow, that's really powerful. That's from the guy who doesn't hear from the Holy Spirit. And by the end of the night, the guy was like, oh, okay, I hear from the Holy Spirit. But you have to, that person would never have realized how powerfully he indeed does hear from the Holy Spirit if he hadn't chosen to talk. You're never going to get any of this figured out by yourself. And to the level that you hide and to the level that you exhibit the orphan behavior, to that level you're going to be in bondage. Does that make sense? Because it's only, I'll, I'll tell you, Eric Knopf and Camille Knopf have had such a powerful influence on my life, and they're like half my age almost, but they have had such, been such powerful change agents because we've chosen to be so completely transparent with one another. And so all these strongholds that I had in my mind, even about me teaching and things like that, they went away because i said how insecure i felt about all kinds of things and they're like really because i don't see that stop and think about it. how many friends do you have who know you who really know you and your stuff It's not like you have to have eight or ten, but if you don't have a couple, like two or three, you're a total orphan. And that's not bad. It's just good to see it. So you can know what to do with yourself. And that's to press in. And when I say press in, I mean come into the family. We like to use this, new, this word called community, but the, word, the Bible doesn't use that word. It uses family. God is all about family. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Our responsibility is to transform our minds to match the truth of who we are. So, I had this major breakthrough in 2006. It was at a a conference, and I met this person, um, Sandy Everett. Chad and Sandy and I went to the conference, and we're down, Sandy and I are down swimming pool. And she goes, Eric, why do you think that guy is staring at you? And I'm like, who? And she points, and it's like this big muscle dude. And I go, I don't know. And so then I was just laying there getting some sun, and in about 10 minutes, she goes, he's still staring at you. And I'm like, I can't help it. So she goes, well, I'm going to go take a nap. So she goes back up to Chad, and pretty soon this big old guy comes. He walks in front of my chair, and he looks over at me, and I go, hey, man. And uh, he comes over, and he goes, hey, I hope this doesn't sound too weird, but I feel like I'm supposed to come talk to you. And I'm like, well, maybe you should sit down. So he did, and he starts telling me, he starts talking to me about himself, and he starts telling me all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, I don't know who's been telling you about yourself, but they're full of lies. And he goes, you think so? I go, I know so. And so then he tells me a little bit more, and I'm like, you need to get away from the people you spend time with, because you are not the person you're telling me you are. And I started telling him who he was, because the Lord was telling Telling me about that, I said, "What's your name?" He told me his name. He had a cool name, and his name was Shiloh. And um, he's a sheriff. And I said, "You should come to the conference with." No, I said, "What are you doing in Reading?" And he goes, "Um, "I'm going to this conference. I go to Bethel." He goes, "Yeah." I said, "You should come sit with me and my friends." So he did. But I myself, and I didn't know this, I had this identity issue. And I still saw myself as trash because while God had done this pretty amazing work in my life, I still had so much shame. And so we went out to eat every night that week, and I decided to ride back to Reading with him I mean, to Sacramento with him after the conference was over. So we get in the car, and I'm like, hey, What happened last night? And he goes, I had a dream. Because I had a dream that if I would stay in relationship with you, he said, God told me that you have a powerful anointing to disciple young men. And if I would stay in relationship with you, he'll double your anointing, but he'll give me the anointing that's on you. And I was so mad at God, just like that. I'm like, God. but Shadow can't tell, right? I'm sitting there, and I have this you know, I'm looking like that. But on the inside, I'm like, God, why would you saddle this really sharp person with a person like me? Do you know what a screw-up I am? And I just started, Brr, you know, telling, I was so mad. So I was trying to change the subject, get away from the dream part, you know, and this anointing that's on me. And, and um, I'm like, so when we went to the prayer house, what did, what did the Holy Spirit tell you? And he goes... Oh, he just reminded me uh, of what Bill Johnson said. He said, you know, any time that we drag out from under the blood sins that have already been placed under the blood, that that's an illegal act. Because whatever Jesus' blood paid for, he owns. We don't own anymore. It was so hilarious. I'm trying to get away from this thing, and the Holy Spirit just moves in. So I'm, having, I'm sitting there, and I look nice. My face, I have a nice facial expression, like I'm really engaged, you know? And the Holy Spirit is like, bam, and hits me right between the eyes in the lie that I'm buying. The reason I told you that story is because the Holy Spirit wants to set you free, too, from the lies. If I had chosen to stay in that lie, I wouldn't be up here today a lot of the things that we are enjoying wouldn't have been happening. And God has something for you to do, but it's not going to happen if you're not reinteracting with people in relationships that are meaningful and that bring you close. Because you're never going to have any power this way or any more intimacy vertically than you have horizontally. If you have problems in relationships you just might as well start figuring them out because you have the same problems with God. You just can't see his eyes. So Romans 8 is a powerful verse, and I love it. It's very freeing to me once I began to understand it. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So if you want freedom from whatever is driving you crazy, from whatever you can't get over, from whatever you can't get free from, you have to change what you're focusing on. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So if you look at it, over here is the flesh. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh. But you're in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. That's what we have to come to understand. The spirit of God lives in you. If you've asked Jesus to be your savior, God lives in you. But the only way you're ever going to move from the flesh into the spirit is by walking towards the spirit. And the only way you're truly going to do that is by talking to people and talking to God. And talking about this stuff over here that you can't get free from or confusion, or this is what I can't stand about myself, or this is why I hate my father, whatever it is, you're never going to get over here cheaply. You're not going to get here casually. And you're never going to find true direction for your life. I'm just telling you, you'll be my age, and you'll still be doing everything that, you judge your parents for doing today. Because orphans wander around. They've always got to amuse themselves. They're careless with their lives. They have no time management. Their rooms are trashed. They don't have any order. It never occurs to them to think about, what am I going to do this week? Because orphans have to amuse themselves. They've got to constantly be entertained. Whereas sons and daughters, I'm, my daddy is God. I was created and designed for a purpose. If I'm going to reach that purpose, I've got to figure out what it is. Because you can be clueless. You can be the most clueless person in the room tonight. And in six months, you can be one of the wisest people in the room. You know what I do? When I see somebody who has something I want, I go hang out with them. I'm like, can I wash your car? <laughs> I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm easy. You want me to carry your Bible? <laughs> you know? I get around people because you're going to catch whoever you're around, you're going to catch. If you're clueless about life tonight and you're confused and really unhappy, so are the people around you, I can promise you. Because if you don't want to be that way, like that, those people are over here. I don't like living over here. I did that for so many years. I like living over here. Not only did I learn to manage a calendar, I actually started managing my calendar according to the priorities that God taught me I was built for. It's, it seems like hard work, but you guys tell me what's harder, doing this. Because whatever your addiction is, you have to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into it. You know, if you're all about image because you think you have nothing to offer, after a while, you know, you've, you have food problems or you don't know how to stay out of the gym or, you know. Because the enemy, he always, he never tells you, you want to be, wh- uh, be a whore? He never says that to you. He just goes, you know, you probably get more attention if you sleep around a little bit or if you just wouldn't be so uptight about things. It's so gradual. And before you know it, your life is like you're behind the curtain. You don't have a life. And the more that you, because this feels hard walking this direction, but the more that you walk this direction and you're like, this isn't working in my life, do you have a clue? Like, do you see anything in my life? I ask those two questions. Is there anything that you see in my life that makes me vulnerable? to both of the guys that I meet with every week, Eric and Chad. Because I want to know. (laughs) Am I making sense? We don't have to be orphans, you guys. If you're sitting here tonight and you're an orphan, you feel like you are, you don't have to be one. And it doesn't take forever. It truly doesn't. Because when you start pursuing truth and you start going, this doesn't work in my life. Because it doesn't have to be, I mean, there's people literally all over this room who have amazing answers, totally amazing answers. And for all the discernment God's given me, when I get backed up in a corner, I can't figure out my answers by myself. I have to go talk to someone. That's how God made us. So to whatever level you try to shut out relationship, you're shutting out God because that's not what he made you for. He made you to walk with Him in the realm of the Spirit. You, however, eight nine, Romans eight nine, you are not in the realm of the flesh, but you're in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if you've asked Christ, that's the thing. I've, I sometimes is like, am I really a Christian? Why would I act this way? You have to flip that. I know who I am. I was recently at a conference with Sean and I was telling it was a, um, in Reading and there was um, there, there was someone in front of me that was in really good shape and shame like came at me for a second because I noticed it but it was, it was a dart from the enemy because instantly the Holy Spirit's like you're my son you don't think like that and I was like that's right I don't you have to answer, when you learn to answer the things that come at your mind, because the mind is the battlefield. That's, that's totally where it is. But when you learn to answer all the things that the enemy, every thought that comes to you is not your thought. If you don't know that tonight, there are harassing, tormenting spirits that love to run through your brain. And for so many of us, we're so careless with our thought life. If something shows up to amuse us, I'm all about it you got a movie? Have you seen that on YouTube? Did you see that new song? Did blah 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 blah. It never occurs to us to intentionally go excuse me, my brain has a threshold and a door and you don't even knock on my door. Those kind of thoughts I don't entertain because I'm a son and sons don't think like that. Oh yeah. Thank you, Jerome. It feels like hard work, but it's so worth it. Because after a while, your mind, you develop a way of thinking, and you become very powerful. Because when you come in line with your daddy God, and you sit on his lap often enough, up, and you let him wrap his arms around you and tell you who you are, after a while, you start believing it. You learn to set boundaries for not only the enemy, but people. There's some people, they're nice Christians. I just don't hang out with them all the time. Because they got to be entertained. There's no purpose. It doesn't mean I don't like to have fun. Anybody who knows me knows I like to have fun. But I was born for a purpose. So were you. I don't care who you are. You were born for a purpose. God created and designed you for a purpose. And it's powerful. It's not small. It's not small for any of us. We just settle. So I want to encourage you tonight. It says in verse 12, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. If you live according to the flesh, you'll die. And death does not mean you stop breathing. The prodigal son, when he came home, his father said, my son who was dead is now alive. When I step into eternity, I want to party down here because I won't be dead. I'll be more alive than I've ever been. But I want to make sure that while I'm down here, By the Spirit, I'm going to put to death the misdeeds of the body, because that's how I live. For those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, which is what this side makes you. It makes you a slave, so that you live in fear again. The Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry out, Abba, Daddy. Daddy. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. So I want to encourage you tonight. If you don't know how to hear the Holy Spirit, I bet you hear him a lot more than you think you do. So start talking to people and telling them, I don't hear, I don't think I hear the Holy Spirit. And then let them ask you questions. Interact on a meaningful level. Because that's how I learned to hear. And so I started walking from here. My steps got so much stronger so much more confident. I actually knew who to approach. I knew what to pray for people. I knew who to seek out to, for that iron sharpens iron thing. I'm all about that. Doesn't matter who you are, God can make you so powerful because that's what he created you for. My little brother's adopted, he's 17 years younger than me. One time my mom heard, they were making fun of him in the front yard they were like oh yeah well you're adopted and my little brother said that's right your mom and dad just had to take what they got my mom and dad picked me (laughs) and I would tell you we are all adopted and even better than that the father who adopts you who created you and who designed you He picks you. He picks you. So let him pick you. If you're here tonight, and we're going to, if the worship band can come up. If you're here tonight and there's anything, if this touched anything in you, because you guys, one of the things you've got to start doing when when the preaching part is over and we're praying, come up even if you don't know why you're coming. When I started getting free from all my addictions, it actually began in 96. I answered every altar call. They'd have an altar call for alcoholics. I went. I never had a drink. They had all. I mean, I was such a sex addict, I was terrified of what I'd do if I got, got drunk. Or high, so I never did alcohol or drugs at all. But I didn't care what it was. You know, if you can't quit smoking, come to the front. I didn't smoke, but I went. Because I just wanted freedom. So any kind of freedom to rub off on me, I'm all about. So whenever we have prayer time, even if you don't know why you're coming up, come up. And you just tell the person. You know, like when, I'm in, when I go to Bethel, which is a church in Reading, I just go up. And I go, why are you here? Because I want prayer. What do you want prayer for? I'll just let the Holy Spirit tell you. <laughs> 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 they just pray. Because <laughs> I want something. I want more freedom so I just want to encourage you tonight as we spend a little more time in worship if you um, if there's anything in your life that this touched you in any way or it it may not even have anything to do with tonight you just need prayer just come up and get prayer because God answers prayer so powerfully he's your daddy sometimes I have spiritual sons and daughters sometimes I wait because after a while they've got to learn to step into that identity so do you God will come to you when you're a baby and he'll take care of you and he'll burp you and you know he'll feed you that bottle and after a while it's time for you to stop asking for the bottle go get your food you know you need prayer go ask for prayer so as we spend time in worship and just you know love on God some come up if you need